welcome to Island Minds, the mental health podcast. Please note, these episodes deal with topics that some listeners may find distressing. For suggested contacts, please see the show notes on our Facebook page after this episode. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Tia. It's been a bit of a while since our last episode with the lovely Liam Garrigan. It has, yeah. It's been quite a while. And I think the irony is we actually originally recorded this episode before that one so that we would be super prepared and ahead of the game. And then uh, we weren't happy with it, were we? So So here we are. Here we are. (laughs) Months later. Yes. And there is a reason why uh, there's been a slight delay, which is a lovely reason. Would you like to share that reason? Reason. There's a reason. (laughs) what reason yes so me and my fiance found out that we are expecting a baby (laughs) Um, so yeah in April next year there will be a new team member here at Island Mines (laughs) very exciting news I expect expect them to host as soon as possible regardless of course beachability I'm sure that they will have a lot to say um, <laughs> on these very, very easy subjects. <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, that is really wonderful news. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very exciting. Obviously, there's a lot of anxieties and stuff that we are now dealing with, which we'll probably discuss in another episode, which will actually probably be like a therapy episode for me. But yeah, no, it's super cool. We're very excited. And yeah, it's yeah baby Dumpford yeah well as you as we said in our previous episodes you know that perinatal one that's perfectly natural to feel all of those things as well it doesn't have to yeah. be you know happy all the time or even any of the time no. people, and that's okay but you're doing brilliant that, yeah and I have to say like obviously the perinatal episode was really eye-opening for us because it wasn't something we've experienced but it has been super interesting. I've only been pregnant, you know, what I'm in, it'll be 20 weeks, the first week of December. And people do have a habit of saying, oh, just enjoy this time. And, you know, it's it's ironic. You're sat there vomiting into a bowl and there they are telling you to like, you know, enjoy it, you'll glow. And you're like, actually, today, I just want to wallow in the filth of my <laughs> my emotions and literal filth. Yeah, yeah. and that's you know again that's perfectly natural and understandable and I think you can want a baby but not enjoy the pregnancy part I think too that you have to like yeah and I I have to say apart from the scans which have been well as anyone that's ever been to a scan and seen their baby for the first time um on the screen it's indescribable you know you can't it's not an emotion that I can put into words um that was wonderful but the actual pregnancy part thus far has not brought with it any enjoyable benefits I'm very grateful that I am pregnant and that I'm able to um so I haven't taken it for granted but frankly the actual being pregnant part I'm sick 24 hours a day I'm tired all the time I'm really pissed off with the world for no reason all the time and when I'm not annoyed at the world I'm crying (laughs) 
don't necessarily wish I had the same excuse. But I don't know what my excuse is for being pissed off the world and crying all the time. No, <laughs> I, obviously, only kidding, I'm not comparing mine. No, don't be silly, it's all fine. My mum revels in the fact that she didn't even know she was pregnant for four months because she had no symptoms. I'm like, it's really not the time to be telling me that, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, it's not fine. Yesterday I shouted at Kirsty also on location, location, location. Wow. I know. I really gave her both barrels. What did she do? <laughs> oh, she just, it, they were talking utility rooms and like she said something akin to like, I don't know, there, there was basically a utility room that was the size of a kitchen with all the kitchen stuff in it. And I was like, that's not, it's not a utility room. That's a kitchen. Like. You don't need a utility room to be, like, for your home to be valid. <laughs> Would be nice, though, wouldn't it? All right, Tia. <laughs> <laughs> Look, my mum has a utility room. I'm partial to utility rooms. <laughs> well, go on location, 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 then. And... Okay, I am not going <laughs> to disagree with you anymore. And not... <laughs> But don't don't side with Kirsty or stop. No, I won't. <laughs> also, disclaimer: really, usually like those programs and have never had any reason to shout at said presenter before. Ah, <laughs> uh, pregnancy rage. It's great. Well, next time I'm annoyed with someone, I'll make sure to uh, to call you to to deal with it. Ah, <laughs> uh, thanks. Welcome. Um, so it is it's lovely to be doing this again and it's I know we both found it really hard to not be excited and cheerful because we do have very sad and emotive topic to discuss today but you know it's okay to feel more than one emotion it is two things can be correct at once exactly so this month's topic is as Tia has just said quite an emotive one and we will say now that this episode is about suicide yeah so trigger warning for anyone who needs it and as usual we will be leaving links with the episode for further support so if anyone does find anything we discussed today distressing um, there is extra support available and we will leave those links for you obviously suicide is a is a huge topic to discuss and and not that we need to justify why we're discussing it but just to sort of highlight why we think it's so important to talk about the national statistics for 2020 highlighted that 4,912 people died by suicide so that's no small number and obviously uh, it's one of those things that does have a lot of stigma and shame and a lot of myths surrounding it and I think talking about it is just so important to try and break some of that down so Hannah I know you've done a lot of research on common myths surrounding suicide if you wanted to talk about those yeah absolutely so there is actually a lot of literature online from really good websites such as Mind and the Samaritans which really go through a lot of this in detail and at the moment there are a lot of free courses that people can do to get a better understanding of some of the things we're about to go through. So first of all, we have this idea that if 
a person is serious about killing themselves, then there's nothing that can be done about it. It is, it's inevitable. But actually, more often than not, a person who is feeling suicidal, they don't want to die. They actually, there's a situation that they want to escape from. They might be completely overwhelmed by something that's happened in their life, by other forms of mental ill health. It could be anything. And suicide looks like a way out, an escape. So actually, if if you can talk to someone, if you can communicate with an individual, you might actually save their life. Because as I said, more often than not in these cases, that individual doesn't actually want to die. They feel like it because of how overwhelming it is. But actually, it's a temporary feeling against something that is happening. There is a trigger and actually they feel like it is the only way out when in, in reality it isn't. But it, for them, that is the reality in their minds. That is the only way out. So if there is an individual that you are concerned about that may die by suicide, then absolutely do something. Talk to them, call a helpline, tell a friend or family member, you know, get that person some help because actually they probably don't want to die and you can make a massive difference just just by communicating. The next myth is, is slightly similar and it's this is, I think, probably one of the biggest myths and one of the biggest bits of stigma surrounding suicide. And that is uh, people who talk about suicide openly aren't serious and won't go through with it. So it's that idea of it's attention seeking, etc. But attention seeking is really the wrong term for this. Really what we should be replacing attention seeking with is reaching out. Often people who do die by suicide have often told someone or have brought it up and in some cases people might actually just come out with you know they want to die and it can be really easy in this society to pass that off as oh that you know if they really wanted to do it they'd just do it yes yeah, not the case on it like most of the time if someone is saying this stuff they they need some help they need it they need someone to give them the support to listen and to actually help so if you think if you've got someone you know that has you know openly stated that they want to die they're feeling suicidal they're not they're not to be passed off it needs to be taken really seriously um because again a bit like with the previous myth uh, you could make a massive massive difference like I said the majority of people who have these feelings they don't want to die they just don't want to live the current problem that they're dealing with or the current situation so yeah so those two things really important you can make a difference you can do something and if someone is talking about this stuff don't don't pass it off try and retrain your brain to instead of go straight to your oh, their attention seeking to they're reaching out they need help it's really really simple little things like that just looking at things in a slightly more empathetic way yeah will make a massive difference
Absolutely. Another myth, a lot of people believe that you have to be mentally ill in the first place to think about suicide. Absolutely not the case. Of course, suicide and mental ill health do sometimes walk you know, side by side, hand in hand. But sometimes people who die by suicide, that there could be other triggers, there could be other warnings, there could be other problems. So another statistic just to throw out there for this myth, it's one in five people have thought about suicide at some point in their life. But you know, it's not, it, it can be things like grief. So really, you don't have to be mentally ill to think about suicide you know there could be many reasons you could have had a string of real bad luck you know over a a short amount of time and that could lead to suicidal thoughts grief that can lead to suicidal thoughts and we'll probably cover grief in a bit more detail later you know but then on the flip side there are people who do die by suicide who do have mental health problems but you don't have to have it it isn't no, that's that's an absolute myth. It's absolutely not the case 100% of the time. So another myth, and I feel like this is becoming more and more talked about now that social media is so uh, widely accessed and things like that, but there's an idea that talking about suicide is actually a negative thing. So being open and honest about it is bad because it will give people the like ideas on on how to do it and it might spark the idea in someone's head to to try it um I've not heard this yeah so this was one I actually read from the Samaritans and I'll I'll actually read what it says because I've written it down because this was something that was completely new to me so the myth as per the Samaritans website is talking about suicide is a bad idea because it may give someone the idea to try it the fact is, obviously, suicide can and is a taboo subject. And often people who are feeling suicidal don't want to worry or burden anyone with how they feel, so they don't discuss it. But by asking someone directly about suicide, you give them permission to tell you how they feel. So people who have felt suicidal will often say what a huge relief it was to be able to talk about their experience. And when someone starts talking they've got a much better chance of discovering alternative options that aren't suicide. So it's really, you're actually protecting someone by by talking about it. And it's unlikely that you are going to give them, you know, the idea or the inspiration to to think about suicide. So that, yeah, so that was, yeah, that was a new one for me. The other new one and I thought since we're heading into the winter I would just add this one on by the way this is by no means an exhaustive list there are so many myths that um that exist surrounding suicide but this one um this again this one was specifically taken from the Samaritans website the other places I've sourced these from are Mind and the Mental Health Foundation but this next one most suicides happen in the winter months so yeah the, but the fact is suicide isn't just related to seasons and and sort of the nicer weather bringing out you know the serotonin and and things like that actually suicide is more common in the spring and there is a notable peak in risk on new year's day so new year's day and spring are statistically the most common time 
for suicide. But obviously, that being said, there are some additional difficulties in the winter because we know that a lot of people do suffer more. There is, you know, seasonal affective disorder, and generally, it is it can be a bit grim in the winter anyway but yeah most suicides don't happen in winter months um, and there are many reasons as to why people think about suicide and it isn't just because the winter is a little bit sadder than summer so really to summarize talking about suicide isn't attention seeking suicide can happen all year round there's no particular time when you need to be looking out for it or if you do have friends or family members or colleagues that you're concerned about act on it do something about it and yeah I think the real important one there is people who are suicidal want to die more often than not they absolutely don't and if you act on it and do something um you absolutely could be saving a life yeah yeah definitely Those are all so interesting and, yeah, definitely things I've heard before. Um, Mm. Something I wanted to pick up on particularly, and I know we've discussed this before, is the idea of uh, talking about it being attention-seeking. You may remember a few months ago I shared a post that I saw that we, we both found very poignant and it said, we live in a culture that treats talking about mental illness as attention seeking, but also treats suicide as a tragedy. So you'll often hear cases of people dying by suicide and then comments surrounding it saying, oh, that's so sad. Why didn't they talk to us? Why didn't they talk to us? But when people do discuss mental ill health, they get a backlash. um, And it's called attention seeking. So, yeah. Yeah. And obviously when me and Tia talk about actually if someone is talking about this they're reaching out that's not to say that if you you know if there is someone that has attempted this or has died by suicide we're not for one minute saying that people have missed the signs or it's anyone's fault there is a a severe lack of education when it comes to mental ill health and things like suicide prevention and a lot of the time we just don't know what the signs are which is why it's really important to stamp these myths out because that's really the first step in understanding how we can prevent this from happening. But yeah, I just wanted to point out that in no way is it a blame game for anyone. This is, you know, this, this stuff hasn't been talked about openly really to the extent it is now before. So everyone is learning. Everyone is having to unlearn things we know about the brain so please don't think that you know there will, it's not it's not blame blame game yeah yeah I couldn't agree more with that and that's it's it's such a such a difficult thing to discuss and and process um this is something I've I've had personal experience with and it's really it's it's really hard because you you know you can't you can't feel personally responsible for these things it, it's it's a natural feeling to have to say I wish I, I wish I'd known I wish I'd done more or I, I could have saved them and you know you can't think like that in those situations because you don't know what would have happened um it's not it's you know it's not going to be one person's responsibility it's going to be much bigger than that but 
yeah it's it would, it's very natural to feel to feel guilty and like you you could have done more but that's not yeah that's yeah. definitely not what we're saying we're just saying no. that having those conversations at those early stages are so important because if you can have those conversations then then it might not get to the critical stage we're lucky enough to have each other and have strong support networks so if we're feeling really low we can address that at an early stage so it you know it gets nowhere near that critical stage where we'd have have a plan to die by suicide but people who are isolated or alone if if they don't have that support around them at the early stages that's just going to escalate and and keep escalating Mm. there's some really good points there yeah and with with like the myths and stigma I, I do find I don't know if you feel this way Tia that like the media and some representations in film and tv do not help I don't know. I mean, I couldn't watch this. Jack loved it. I don't know if you were able to watch it, but there was a Netflix show called 13 Reasons. Yeah, I I couldn't. It was too triggering for me. Yeah, we'll probably discuss this in a whole separate episode. There's lots online about this. So I do encourage you to have a look at that. Google searches actually did rise by 20% after that show came out on suicide. It has sparked a lot of debates and conversations, which is obviously a very good thing. A lot of those debates has been centred around glorifying and romanticising suicide, romanticising self-harm, sensationalising things. And if anyone out there watched the show and had, um, you know, has positive things to say about it, has negative things to say about it, we'd love to hear from you. And it might be that we have an open debate conversation about that but it's just really important to bear in mind that online depictions or depictions on streaming services or any show in the media can be problematic and it's really important to do research so that we're not taking these things as fact because a lot of the time these depictions are quite fictional yeah absolutely I need to think of another word apart from absolutely because I say yeah absolutely to everything (laughs) in every episode I did it in my interview Chris absolutely 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 Hmm. Um, I concur (laughs) I concur that is the new absolutely on the topic of stigma someone I know uh, a friend of theirs their husband had uh, recently died by suicide and this person I know she'd heard he died so she said was he ill and her friend said no, he was just depressed. Oh, God. I know. And it just broke my heart. I mean, that people have those attitudes, that that's sort of the way it was viewed from his own family. It's, yeah, it's very really oh. because depression is an illness. <laughs> yes, yeah. it will. Um, Doesn't that absolutely just epitomise why we're doing this? You know, that, that one little sentence, he wasn't ill, he was just depressed that is just it's almost like a poster moment for why awareness is so important and why education and mental health is so important yeah exactly and on on this subject you may have noticed listeners that Hannah and I uh, it may be obvious that we're being very careful to say died by suicide now the reason we're saying that is it's very common to say someone committed suicide or commit suicide. 
when you think about that, the word commit is often linked to committing a crime. But suicide was actually decriminalised in 1961, um, yet we still talk about it as if it's a crime or as if it's something wrong, that someone's done something wrong. So, yeah, this is why the uh, recommended uh, language now is, is died by suicide or died from suicide. I know there were discussions previously about the option of saying completed suicide, but then you've got the insinuation that if someone's attempted suicide and haven't died from it, that they've then failed because it was incomplete. Mm. So, yeah, died by suicide seems to be an appropriate way of saying it. Um, yeah. Obviously, when I was talking about we need to retrain our brains to, instead of saying attention-seeking, reaching out, actually what a lot of mental health charities are now suggesting we say instead is support-seeking right. rather than, because attention-seeking will always have this connotation of being dramatic, you know, being a drama queen, etc., and and isn't taken seriously. But things like reaching out and support-seeking, that sounds far more like someone is is trying to get help and I think it's important that we recognize that that's exactly what they're doing yeah 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 you couldn't be more right than that that's definitely a good thing to point out Mm. um so obviously me and Tia have already pointed out that this is a very evocative subject when it comes to you know emotions and triggers and it's a really important episode for so many reasons and Tia, I know you actually have first-hand experience with this. So if you're happy to share your experience with our listeners, I think it would be really useful and would explain some of the points we've made already in this episode. Yeah, I feel like my dog has taken it upon herself to lighten the mood here by barking in the background. So apologies for <laughs> you, Hannah, when she's trying to concentrate on what you're saying. yeah so obviously like this isn't my episode and we've done a wonderful interview with Chris and I talk talk about my experience a bit with him but I'm not gonna not gonna go overboard with this but I I do want to talk about it a a bit so four years ago my stepmom died by suicide um and it was obviously an incredibly hard thing to go through and something we're all still going through because it doesn't doesn't leave you much like any other kind of grief um and her death in of itself was was such a tragedy but there were certain circumstances around it that I think about a lot and sort of highlight some of the things we've talked about so I had no idea that she had any mental ill health now at the time my experience and knowledge of mental health wasn't what it is now um but even so I never knew that there was anything going on with her she was seemed really happy um always warm and yeah she did she just seemed she just seemed happy and even for the last time I saw her um I find it really hard to remember exactly, but I think it was maybe the week before um, she died. 
um, she's absolutely fine. I, I wouldn't have known that there was anything wrong. She sent a very strange and out character text to me um, before she did die. Um, and that was when I found out that she did have mental health. Uh, she had severe anxiety um, and depression and lots of things going on. And there had been a previous attempt. But yeah, until then, I wouldn't I wouldn't have known anything was wrong. And I, I just think it really highlights how you never know what's going on underneath the surface for people. When you think about people like Robin Williams, like always just seemed like I mean it, it was Robin Williams <laughs> like um, that was just such a such a shock because just always seemed so happy and yeah I, I they, they say don't they sometimes it's the people who seem the most happy that have all that pain underneath and um, yeah it's um, me and Chris talk about how grief of losing someone by suicide is is very unique um and it really stays with you. And I, I just wanted to make clear that, like, having lost a lot of other people from other causes, I, you know, in no way I'm saying that other types of grief don't stay with you because I think about all of those people every day as well. But I think it's it's that constant what if in your head with this, with this particularly, with, with suicide, because especially with the things we've talked about now, um, you know, busting the myth that people who are feeling suicidal, that it's inevitable that that, that they will die by suicide. I and mean, it's not inevitable. And it, yeah, I constantly wonder what would have happened if, if I'd asked her if she was okay, if she'd had someone to talk to, what if, what if, what if. And as we said before, you can't blame yourself for that. And you never know what would have happened and it's it's not individuals responsibilities and it is just such a sad situation but but yeah it really does um it does affect you and uh something that made me very angry at the time of her of her death was that some of her family members the younger family members um weren't told how she died and i think i don't think that was made known on a wider level um, because people didn't want that to be her legacy. And I, I think that that's actually more of a dishonour to her memory to, to hide it. And you, you're just adding shame and stigma <laughs> to the event after it's happened, after she's already lived with all of that shame. <laughs> and, um, you know, I really, I, you know, I'm not trying to attack or blame anyone involved. Um that had to be their choice and I understand but I just think it's so sad because she she was ill and I think I can we be honest about that and say she died from yeah. heroin yeah it's it's incredibly sad she was uh she's 37 as well so it's you know like any, any age is sad any age yeah. but um but I, that's young it is and I think a lot about another sort of what if element is you know what what life could she have had I guess um without mm. you know there's so much potential for so much life yeah but yeah um it, it, 
it is what it is. Um, it's it's awful, but I've learned so much from it, and it's particularly inspired me to want to speak up about these things and and to fight for 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 people who have mental health, myself included. So I thought it was interesting when you said about how the you know the reasoning behind like death by suicide wasn't necessarily something that was acknowledged because that can that then has its own detrimental effect on those left behind because grief is a very it's a very human thing it's a very natural thing and you know there are several stages of grief you know along the line there is this element of of having to confront feelings and face feelings and and accept reality um and if you're not if you're not able to to grieve in that that way in in a way that is is natural and normal it, it that that can have its own its own effect on people as well yeah yeah no that's a really good point it's kind of like denying the truth i guess and denying yeah. people's feelings um i again i, I can't like stress enough I, I don't want to like attack or judge anyone because they have no 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 as best they could and i know some people felt had those feelings of that she was selfish for what she'd done and and that's the, the trouble is that's you know that's a very natural response um and what i hope we do in in this episode and having these discussions is, is just challenge that i don't mm. i'm not always going to tolerate people's instant reactions to things because <laughs> but generally with with mental health and in a in a wider way if i i'm happy to discuss things with people and just have that conversation and that, i think you said like unlearn things and then relearn them and i i do it all the time loads of things like it's not like i'm an expert on these things or you know that i've got so many things i could be more educated about um mm. you're open and willing to sort of learn and, and talk about these things it's just just so important and that's the only way it, yeah so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely I just I thought it was important to bring up grief because grief in itself can actually lead to suicidal thoughts because you know grieving can be so overwhelmingly emotional the stigma causes a big problem here as well because family members that have to grieve about a loved one or a friend who has died by suicide sometimes they are in fear of stigma themselves because of you know, because of what has occurred and because the general stigma of suicide is still, it's still very negative. Like there's still so much out there aimed at suicide in particular. I mean, other, other mental um, illness, you know, mental illness as a whole as well, but suicide in particular, there's a lot of damaging stigmas out there that are just causing issues for not only the person you know having these thoughts but for the people around them as well yeah and people shouldn't have to feel embarrassed no it's not something to be embarrassed about oh that's such that's such a good point like 
being embarrassed, like not even <laughs> talked about shame, but being embarrassed for being ill. Mm. Isn't that awful? It, and I don't think people realise that, you know, things you say online, fine, you might be talking to a stranger on like a BBC News article or, you know, Huffington Post. But if your friends that are going through something like this see that comment, see an ignorant statement you've made about mental illness or suicide, that's going to hurt them. That, you know, if you are attacking, you know, mental ill health with a with a stigmatized view but you think it's okay because it's a stranger it's not you are indirectly you know saying that your your friend or your family members issues are invalid and don't forget on Facebook you you can see lots (laughs) so it's it's so important to have as Tia was just mentioning open conversations be open-minded to you know listen and don't be afraid to change your perspective on things as well yeah exactly yeah it's it's human to not want to admit that you don't know about something or that you're wrong Mm. not want to admit that you're wrong but actually it's I think it's I think it's actually a bigger sign of intelligence to acknowledge that you might not know something than it is to pretend yeah I agree um, I just wanted to say, like, that's such a good point about online stuff, but e- not even just whether your friends see that, but even that anonymous person that you may never meet, but you don't know what that what impact that's had on them. And um, obviously this is something that's being explored a lot more now, but just because, you know, it feels anonymous doesn't mean that you're not causing damage. Mm. Absolutely accountable so what a great interview Chris gave he was so lovely and just yeah I was just wowed by him he's an incredible man he is we're singing your praises Chris but no seriously (laughs) you shared some really personal things with us and it was really lovely and um, thank you (laughs) yeah Um, absolutely thank you so without further ado here's Chris hi Chris how are you Hi, I'm not too bad. Thank you, Tia. Yes, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. So for our listeners, um, Chris is going to join us to share a bit about his experiences. Chris, I know this is a very emotive topic. So in your own time, could you just tell our listeners a bit about your experience? Absolutely. Um, When I think back, I can think back to my childhood and my my first sort of encounter with, with, with mental health although I didn't really know it at the time, was, was with my mum, bless her, um, who suffered with depression most of her life. I would come home from school and she'd be in bed. But to me, that was that was the norm. Um, I, I didn't understand that, you know, that, that was her sanctuary and, and that's where she would go to, to sort of rest uh, and try and get, get herself back to, together again. But as I say at the time, it, I had no idea that that, that was mental health. Moving forward, there I have uh, an older brother, um, and I did have a younger brother. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, my younger brother Steve, um, he suffered with mental health illness from when he was about eighteen, and and just continued to go downhill. He saw various people 
to try and help. He was given different sort of uh, diagnoses, body dysmorphia, schizophrenia, all kinds. Um, and you know, unfortunately, two years ago, he 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 ended his life, which which was, um, although it was something that shouldn't have been a shock, it it was. Uh, it, the police knocked at my door at two o'clock on a Monday morning, you know, um, I, I knew, I knew that something had happened. And, you know, sadly, they, they come in with that information uh, as they're obliged to do. And, you know, 10 minutes later, they've gone and, you, and you're, I live on my own. So you're, you're left with that information. And, and you know, what, what do you do at that, at that time of night? And, you know, it, it, whilst I feel my brother is, he is at peace now because he had a terrible, terrible time with his mental health. I know he's a piece and um, I do get comfort from that. Yeah. I think the knock-on effect from that is bereavement. Coming to terms with that myself, I, I have struggled with that because my parents died. Uh, my mum died from cancer. My dad had heart problems. And whilst they are incredibly upsetting and distressing, you, you, you kind of move, move on. Whereas with suicide bereavement is is a very different ball game altogether really so yeah it, it's still something I'm dealing with yeah yeah no absolutely I am so sorry for what happened to your brother I know said to you last night my stepmom ended her life four years ago and it's I've lost a lot of people in my life and it's yeah it is a very different kind of bereavement Obviously, you've said to your brother, he, he had a, a history of mental illness. If you don't mind me asking, how was he in the run-up to to him mending his life? Was It's a yeah. really difficult thing. I don't want to say where their warning signs no, are. I, I know how it feels to feel like, yes. you know, I should have done more. It's not. That's obviously not where I'm coming from with it. No, of course. No, of course. No, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to talk about it. Steve, bless him, he one of the ways he coped with his mental health was he 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 drank yeah uh, that that was his he said he used to say I drink because it gives me a mind huh. and it, it it takes it used to take away his mental turmoil but obviously it, it wasn't really doing him any good in, in in the long run so he unfortunately a year before he he ended his life he had to go into intensive care he was very ill and he was in there for like six weeks so he didn't have any alcohol at all which which was really good because it it kind of dried him out so we thought this could be a a start for steve when he because he he came out of hospital and uh unfortunately he he went back on the drink and um sometimes it would be very difficult i would get texts and you know not not very nice texts and things and it it wasn't steve it was just the alcohol talking but my sister and i we we said look you know we don't know what else to do with you steve you know so we we kind of stepped back a little bit yeah um so but he 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 was looked after um he he was in a um sheltered housing place uh which which i managed to get for him uh, and it was lovely so in terms of sort of he was safe 
he actually he, he didn't have any friends um the only people he could see would be myself or his support worker uh, but he did make friends with the next door neighbor which was really really good you know so pleased about that yeah. but his his physical health deteriorated as well and he ended up not being able to walk and he was in a wheelchair and I just think that an, enough was enough for him and he ended up taking alcohol and and medication over obviously he took a lot of medication and um that's that's what happened yeah very 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 difficult yeah very difficult as as I said last night it must have been and and continue to be incredibly difficult I think I think griefs all types of grief do stay with everyone but as we said this this particular type of bereavement it's something I think about every day and I'm sure it's something you think about every day it does does very much stay with you it does and it, it kind of hits you at out of the blue you know I can become very emotional and tearful at the drop of a hat I can see something on the television someone can say something I can hear a song and it you know it just triggers it but but I I as time goes on I try to I, I think of Steve and actually you know he's not he's not in pain anymore and he, he, had, a, he, had, a, he had a horrible life really it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a life. It wasn't a life at all. But we just don't know how it happened, Tia. Really, we don't know where it came from. What 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 started him off? Because he, over the years, he was looking at things like he wanted a lobotomy. Right. I think it's probably got a more modern name now. But uh, he, he just he, he had ECT treatment. He he went through it. Bless him. And yeah, yeah, it it yeah. And I still miss him. I still miss him. Of course you do, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it's a very natural part of it, but you tend to, it tends to be that you wonder what you could have done, how things could have gone differently. And um, Yes, it, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of those feelings around it. And in my experience, a lot of stigma and shame. I don't know if that's something you've experienced, if, if you feel like you are able to talk about it or if people don't like you to talk about it it's it's um that's a really good point because I've always considered myself fairly strong um strong-minded and I have to say that sort of since my brother's death it you know it it, it kind of weakened me and it was a series of events really that sort of three years ago my my six-year relationship ended which which was was very difficult then I had two cats they 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 had to be put to sleep then my brother's death, my brother's suicide, and then I had a cancer on on my face, on my nose, which uh, had to be sorted. And then we had lockdown, wow. and you know, it, a series of things that happened. And you know, and I, I and normally I, I wouldn't have mentioned anything, but on this occasion, it was like, you know what, I am actually struggling myself. Uh, you know, and I it was, and I was getting progressively worse. So. I did seek bereavement counselling, which actually I did find really helpful. And also just recently, again, I'm going to be open about it. I I did go to my GP and I I am on, I am taking something to help with my sort of anxiety and, you know, my low mood at the moment, which is actually helping. But the interesting thing to hear about that is because I've started talking about it and I've I mean, friends, as I'm sure you'll you'll absolutely agree, friends are such a support. You know, if you've got a good network of friends, then you are incredibly lucky. And I am very lucky to have that. And, you know, and I've mentioned it to several of my friends and they said, 
you know what? I'm also taking something at the moment. I'm struggling. We don't, we still aren't talking about it. But when you start to talk about it, people will say, yeah, do you know what? Same here. So that was really interesting for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's brilliant that you're getting all the right help and that it is helping you. I know obviously different things work for different people, Mm. but that's wonderful to hear. And I know me and Hannah have said in the past, if you had a physical problem, you'd go to the doctor and you'd get medication or or whatever you needed for that. So, you know, it needs to be the same. It needs to be viewed the same. Absolutely. And also, I think that what also helps me is talking again, as I've said, if you've got a good network of friends and I know not everybody has, but, you know, if you can talk, talking is so powerful. It, you know, it helps me a, a lot. But equally, there are times when you don't want to talk and you kind of withdraw and that's OK, too. Yeah. You know, meditation is something I always find that helps me as well. It, it depends on, on, on the day on, and the mood and the circumstances as, as to how you, you deal with yourself that day. Yeah. It's interesting to me that you, know, you said a few times you, you feel your brother is at peace because a lot of the stigma that still surrounds suicide sort of has those awful attitudes that it's selfish and, you know, something really stupid to do. And people don't seem to have any understanding of, of the pain people are in. As you said, he was in pain. And then mm. obviously this isn't, this isn't us saying <laughs> you know, recommending it, that it's, no. it's an acknowledgement that people are in pain and it, it does feel like their only way out. And something me and Hannah have talked about is it's not that people want to die, they just can't see a way to keep on living. So, yeah, it's an acknowledgement really that, that, yeah, how overwhelming that pain can be. And I think to get to get to that desperation and to that point where you, yeah. you, you see no other way out, you know, I, I think that horrendous horrendous yeah and I think from my point of view that's that's why it is so important to talk about it because you know again you feel you feel like there's more you could have done and it's not always going to be the case in every situation but for people who are feeling alone and desperate and if there are people that we can help by talking about it or by beginning to change that culture so that people don't feel so alone I you know that's that's what we want really is and and it can mental health can affect anyone absolutely anyone yeah you hear also which is good in a way now you're hearing sort of celebrities that are you know having they've got mental health problems and it's just becoming it is becoming more discussed and less of a stigma but it is still a stigma Uh, and I think we we have to do more to sort to get it out there and say you know it's okay if if to not be okay you know and and to have a mental health illness some people just live with it some people manage it <sighs> there's no one given way forward because we're all different we'll, we'll react differently to different treatments or some some medications as i've said some people just deal with it they manage it with meditation or some other form but yeah there, there's no hard and fast role you know just take this tablet and you'll be better yeah exactly but for me, and, and now since since my brothers, um, we the, we had the funeral, and then we were asking people to donate to my, the charity Mind, and then a few months ago, my my nephew-in-law, um, he's an RAF sergeant. We had the Isle of Wight challenge this year. I don't know if you were aware of it this year, a couple of months, a few months back, and my my nephew-in-law Phil 
he he walked straight ran around the perimeter of the Isle of Wight, which was about sort of 69, 70 miles, carrying a 40 pound Bergen, like a military backpack. Wow. Um, and he was raising money for Mental Health Research UK and raised nearly £3,000, which was brilliant. And I, I, I videoed the, his journey, which was amazing and very emotive because he, he did it in memory of Steve, which was, which was fantastic. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. Mm. That's amazing. It sounds like you've had a, a very good support network, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Mm. And, and still do. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Was it acknowledged how your brother died when he did I only ask because when my stepmom died there were certain uh, members of her family like the younger members they didn't tell yeah no we were very open about how what what happened with Steve yeah yeah I think you have to be yeah yeah absolutely and again, it's, you know, unless you talk about it, unless you're honest about these things, then we can't move forward. We, you know, we, we can't end this stigma that, you know, mental health is, is like shameful or, you know, you, you can't talk about it. You can talk about it. And, and the more of us that talk about it, the easier it becomes. And, and, and then the more knowledge and information, the correct information is given out about mental health. Yes, exactly. It was interesting you said you'd always considered yourself strong-minded I know you know this but just because you have experienced particularly after everything you've been through perfectly understandable but experiencing mental illness doesn't make you any less strong and I you know I know that's not what you meant by it but I just just wanted to reaffirm to you that you're you know there's no weakness involved and absolutely and you know really it is a strength it, but you know it's how you think you feel or it's, oh my goodness you know I'm, I'm not strong anymore because I've got a mental illness you know or I'm struggling um admitting it is a strength it's a huge strength and I'm not ashamed to talk about it hence that's why I was quite happy to come and, and, and chat with you yeah, yeah I, you know, I want people to listen and if they are struggling themselves then please 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 talk to someone about it it's okay you know it's it's so many of us are struggling particularly with the with the pandemic that we've 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 gone through I mean my goodness me the isolation that we've all experienced has been horrendous yeah yeah it has um and we've we've seen so much of that in services as well it's yeah it's I mean I think me and Hannah said in one of our earlier episodes it's obviously the pandemic hasn't been a blessing in any way but it's definitely a positive step that people are starting to be more honest um, and open about their, their mental health. And I think um, taking a, a positive from, from, from mental health is it, it does make you appreciate, you know, when you have a good day and everything, it makes you appreciate life and it makes you appreciate your friends and your family and, and your animals and whatever makes you happy. It, it is important to appreciate the days that you feel good and grateful for, you know, for being alive and, and for, being healthy I think we you know we have to focus on the positives as well whilst we sometimes experience the negatives yeah yeah one of my coping mechanisms is, is just knowing in my personal situation that even when I'm in my low moods I know that I am going to come out the other side that's mm. because I'm now familiar enough with my own mental health and process to understand that um, but that's that's come from years of seeking help and and talking about it so I know not everyone's lucky enough to be at that stage yet yeah as we say that's why it's so important 
to ask for help and talk about it when you can. Mm. I mean, for me, sometimes, as I said earlier, sometimes I, I want to talk about it. Sometimes I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. When, I, when I withdraw, you know, I just watch you know, some of my favourite shows or something, you know, and you, it just takes you away from yourself for, for that time, uh, which, which often helps too. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, exercise. They always say it, but it's so true. Exercise, walking, if you can. It, although at the time you think, I really don't want to do this. But when you've done it, you, you do feel better. It actually does work. Yeah. And as we say, it's about finding what, what works for you. Definitely. I know you wanted to talk a bit about your own mental health and your sexuality a bit more as well. Yeah. Um, I'm gay, but I, I did actually, I was, I was 17, 18 when I realised that I thought I was, but I, I struggled with that for 10 years. So that affected my mental health hugely. I, I withdrew from people because I didn't want anyone to know. And, you know, I almost had a breakdown then. So that was my own personal encounter with, with mental health, I suppose. <clears throat> but again, it's about acceptance and, and sometimes what we do, we, we fight these things like with any mental illness. And again, I can only speak from my personal experience. You fight it and it, it, you can make it worse. But by having an acceptance about whatever that might be, you're on the way actually to, to recovery. And I think acceptance is so important now because it's the only way to move forward. And now, I, you know, I am what I am. And, you know, I'm in my almost 60 years. I kind of... I just enjoy or try to enjoy my life as best I can. And I, I enjoy my friendships, my, my colleagues. Just It's just so important to enjoy these things now. That's what I try and do. Yeah. And I don't drink, just the record, I'm a non-drinker. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't drink alcohol now, partly because of my brother. But yeah, it's just not really something I enjoy. However, some people enjoy a glass of wine and that's absolutely fine too. Absolutely fine. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not a particularly big drinker. I think I tried for years and, until I finally realised that it didn't agree with my mental health. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, not, I'm at a, maybe a free drink limit on a big night out. <laughs> it's not yeah. You know, it, it means I get a cheap night out. So, <laughs> so That's true. See, there's another positive. Always put a positive on it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right about about the acceptance being such an important thing and, and, and self-acceptance that's I guess as you say something that obviously for your sexuality that was very important but it does apply to mental health as well and it does and it's, it was the same like where people struggle with mental health it's like oh my you know what what are people going to think if I've got a mental health problem it was the same oh my god what are people going to think that I'm gay it was the same yeah exactly the same thought process yeah it is it's like with, with mental health it's it's seeming like you sudden you're suddenly wearing a label and I've definitely experienced it I'll either feel like I'm gonna get shame or stigma from that and and people think I'm you know I'm doing air quotes here but mad or I feel like people are gonna treat me differently or um yeah. or sort of feel sorry for me and, and pity me that sort of thing and I, I yeah. hate that it's my mental illness doesn't define me it's just it's just part of who I am and and yeah it's it wasn't until I did get help and understood what was going on in my head that I was able to move forward and as I say even though I still have those bad days just understanding 
my own mind better and accepting that that's what's going on it's just it's so freeing <laughs> yeah it, it is yeah, yeah. And, and like just because of the things I've gone through and don't get me wrong people go through far worse things than I've gone through but I, I, I can put a reason behind why I feel like I'm feeling, which also helps. I know some people can't always put a reason behind why, they, why they're why they feeling how they do, but I know that it's sort of, I guess I'm like a sponge and I've soaked all this up and, that it, you know, it needs to go somewhere. I need to rinse the sponge out. So I think that's hopefully in, in time I will I will feel better again. And, uh, yeah, but I'm getting there, getting there. Yeah, well, you've been, been through the mill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it, i know it's easy to say you know oh someone else has been through worse but it, that doesn't invalidate what you've been through it's it's all relative and you know it's it doesn't make it any less painful what you've experienced it's no exactly and I, i've always got a, a, i'm always telling jokes i've got a sense of humor but you know sometimes I, you, you can hide behind that but i do think it's important to have a sense of humor if you can and and almost at times try to make light of it and again that's not for everyone but sometimes you can just make it i don't know what i can make light of that today you know i'm having a funny moment oh well get over it yeah. but that's you know but I say not always that doesn't that's not for everyone but that that works for me sometimes yeah, yeah. laughter is so important it is and I I definitely uh you know I'm always making jokes it is something I hide behind as well but and and again don't want to make light of anything but there are things I do from my anxiety that are just funny sometimes I'll feel like I've made such an idiot of myself in a shop that I think well I'll never go in there again <laughs> absolutely ridiculous behavior <laughs> yeah I understand that <laughs> people like me have said oh don't be hard on yourself and say but I'm so good at it exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll be my specialist subject on mastermind <laughs> brilliant <laughs> thank you chris thank you for making it easy for me to just to sort of talk and, and interact with me because it's yeah you've made it much easier for me i'm glad i've put you at ease this is my first time interviewing and i feel like i've just been oh okay. <laughs> so, yeah you've been my guinea pig i thought i should tell you at the end <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> You did good to you. you did oh, good. good, good. Nothing <laughs> editing can't fix anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not too much editing. I think we did all right. No, we, we did. We did. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've been able to talk about it. And it, thank you for, for sharing your experience with us. You've made some excellent points. And yeah. I am so sorry for what happened to your brother, but I'm, I'm glad that you feel able to talk about it. Well, thank you, because obviously with your similar situation, you, you, you can understand how, how that feels particularly. So, yeah, thank you for making that easy for me to, to tell. No, that's OK. I guess I would just reiterate, if, if anyone is struggling, just please, please talk to a friend, a family member, even if you want to you know, pick up the phone with the Samaritans, whatever you think would work for you. Just do it. Just don't suffer in silence. There is help there for you and you will be surprised at how many people will understand how you're feeling yeah that's yeah that's excellent advice thank you if you have been affected by any of the topics covered in today's podcast please see our show notes on our facebook page for our suggested contacts if you're interested in talking on our podcast please get in touch through the facebook page 
We'd love to hear from you. Stay safe, you wonderful people.